Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. This is Wayne Freed in place of his son, Jonathan Freed, or George, and I have Charlie Cook with me today. Hello, Wayne. Now, that's not Charlie Kirk. That's Charlie Cook. Not Charlie Cook. <laughs> I've known Charlie years and years ago. I always tell on him, we used to do drugs together. And, uh, but that, see, his friends, that wasn't cool with them. Me, that was cool with my friends. But anyway, that's a long time ago. Now we're both living for God, and it is good. Living for God is good. I want to talk to you today about a very, very serious subject. And it's, it's really, I could call it two different things. I want to call it hell because that's the title of my message. It's, it, I want to talk about hell. But one of the real reasons I want to talk about hell is because of the suicide rate. The suicide rate is just escalating something awful. And I, I don't blame them. I was out of jail on bond reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. Now, the reason that I was going to take my life is because I was going to prison, and I had already been in jail a bunch of times. I did not want to go to prison. First off, I wasn't happy on the outside of the prison. I wasn't happy. I, I was a very unhappy person for most of my life. I had suicidal tendencies. Uh, to me, it, it seemed practical that if you wanted to ease your pain, you just die. But the problem with that was when God stopped me with the vision, one of the things that happened, there were really there was three parts to that vision, but one of them had to do with uh, hell. I, I had sat on my bed contemplating suicide. I had a pistol, and I thought, well, I didn't have it in my hand. I started to do that, but I'd done that so many times before, and then when you're chicken out, you feel like a failure. So I started to get it. It was just a foot or two away uh, on a shelf, and, and but I said, no, no, let's just think about it. There's no, no nobody pushing me, and uh, I don't have to do this, uh, but I thought, man, I want to. I've got to, I got to deal with this thing. I was out of jail on bond facing prison. I was going to have to go to court I, I had, um, not only was I selling hallucinogenic drugs, but I looked a policeman, an undercover cop in the eye with a gun in my belt, and I told him I'd blow his stinking brains out if he didn't take some LSD. Now, that's exactly what I told him. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you what was done. I needed him to make a move. I first went down. <laughs> I, I hadn't told this story in a, in a little bit, but. I went down to J.M. Fields' parking lot because somebody brought him to my apartment to buy drugs. And um, and I didn't sell him anything. I said uh, I, I had him leave. And and then I, I told all my friends, don't ever, ever, ever bring anybody to my house. Don't ever do that to my apartment. Don't ever do that. And um, But they did it because they, they were caught themselves and they, wanted, they were going to get off the hook by turning me in. And so I told the guy I'd meet him down at J.M. Fields' parking lot. Those from Lakeland might remember that. But J.M. Fields' parking lot at 8 o'clock on, a, I think it was a Friday night, and uh, I was going to go down there and kill him. And on the way to go down there, I had this little mini picture in my mind 
of this this undercover agent having dinner with his family and the little children sitting around the table and they were praying over their food and one of the little kids was praying and he said, oh, Lord, take care of our daddy. And when when he did that, I saw, I just like you snap your finger, I realized, he's the good guy. <laughs> that, that, that's the good guy. I was the bad guy. I won't go into all that, but people have a tendency to justify themselves and they think that they're the good guy. But I wasn't, and I saw it. So I said, well, I'm not going to hurt this man. Uh, and, I, and I went on down there, but I was going to fire a wild shot. Uh, he didn't know that, so I told him I'd blow his brains out if he didn't open his mouth and t- let me stick that LSD in his mouth and watch him chew it for three minutes. Then, of course, there'd be no evidence and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I was hit from behind, and um, I, I better I better move this up. I have an autobiography that tells all these stories and things, tells it all right down to the detail. But they'd been in my apartment, and they'd been in a— uh, the up, upstairs, they'd been listening to what I said, and I talked about how me and my girlfriend, we were going to go down like Bonnie and Clyde and take as many with us as possible. And so they, they told us later in court that the reason they were so rough on me was for that reason. But anyway, um, when I went to jail, uh, I'm making a long story short, I got out on bail, but I still had to go to court. I'd been in trouble all my life. And I won't go into all that, but this was a biggie, and 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 I was gonna end up in prison for a long, long time, and I didn't want to go, so I was gonna take my life. But I sat and pondered it, and I thought about it all, and um, I thought about hell. I had always heard there was a hell, but then something spoke to me and said, "There's no hell because there's no God." I had always believed in God. I can't remember a time really that I didn't pray, and um, when that voice spoke to me. Uh, I, I thought to myself, I had never really seen anything that proved there was a God. And uh, again, long story short, um, uh, I, I, I had to find out. I had, I had to find out if there was a, a hell, if the Bible was true, if God was really real. And I, I prayed a prayer, and uh, the next morning I rolled out of bed on my knees and lifted my hands to God, and I said, God, if you're there, and I knew he was there, but I didn't know if he was hearing me. Didn't know if he was listening to me. So I said, if you're there, meaning if you hear me, you watch me today because I meant what I said last night and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to quit drinking, smoking, cussing, drugs, illicit sex. I'm going to quit everything that I know is wrong and I'm going to do everything that I know is right. And I'm going to find out if the Bible is really true or not. So I started doing that. I started going to church every time the doors were open. I was searching, searching. Did you know there's two places in the scriptures that tell us if we seek for, for God with all our heart will find him. And, and the, the, one of them is Deuteronomy 4.29, and the other one is Jeremiah 29.13. When you search for me with all your heart, he says, you'll find me. And so that's what I was doing. And it was the hardest thing to do because trying not to, I had already done that kind of thing, cried out for God, and I'm going to quit drinking, I was going to quit smoking and all that, and, and I always fell back into it. But this time, this time I was going to take my life if I didn't find God. And so it was really, really the last straw. And um, the, the, the problem is I, I still wanted to drink. I still wanted to get high. I still wanted to do all the things I'd been doing. But I said, no, 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 I can't do that because I can't be serious with God and, and just be living a life that I've always lived. If, I, if I'm going to get God's attention, i got to show him I mean business. And so that's what I did. And I went to this church where there was a man on the construction job. I, I, I feel like I need to hurry up. But 
the man on the construction job had been a rough dude, really, really rough dude. And uh, so it was different than anybody I'd ever known that was went to church, and they were nice and loving and all that. This guy, man, he he had hurt you just for looking at him. And, and then he got saved, and he talked about Jesus with tears in his eyes. I'd never seen anything like it, and I wish I had more time to talk about it because it so impressed me. It touched my heart so deeply um, that I, I just had never— he was Jesus in skin to me. And he talked about miracles, and he talked about the Bible and answered prayer, and we were on a construction job. And— um, He'd go back out in the hot sun on an empty stomach because he said he'd rather talk about Jesus than eat. And so I went to his church. And again, long story short, about six weeks went by. I'm going every service. There were four services a week, two hours per service. And I just, that was a lot of church for me. But I had never heard anybody speak like that preacher. Not the man on the construction job now. He just attended the church. But the preacher quoted chapter and verse. Well, I didn't, I didn't trust anybody, so I... I got a, a Bible off of a chair and started looking, um, and somebody asked me, what are you looking for? I said, well, he, he said, uh, Matthew, I don't remember what it was. Let's say Matthew seven thirteen, and And so they said, oh, that's over here in the New Testament. I said, okay, because I didn't know anything. And, and they helped me, and finally I would write that down and see, is he lying to these people? Is he deceiving them, or is it really there? How could anybody know that much Scripture and where it's found? And I found out. He was telling the truth, and that so amazed me. I put the book down, I put the pen down, and I started listening. And I want to tell you, folks, this is my message to you. The first thing I want to tell you is you need to take time out of your life to find out if the Bible is really true or not. And if the Bible is really true, then you and I, we need to be on the job. We need to be doing what it says. It's a roadmap to heaven. And so I started doing what it said, and I had an experience with Jesus that changed my life forever. It's called being born again, and that's exactly what it is. Your spirit man gets recreated. Now, I want to talk to you about hell, but we're going to take a little break. I want to come back and pick up where I'm leaving off here and uh, explain some things that are very important. So please uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Ask the Preacher right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question-and-answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Hello, this is Wayne Freed again. I was right in the middle of telling you about hell, and I want to talk about suicide. i got so much to say, and there's so little time. Many years ago, out of jail on bond, facing 11 felonies, for all I know, I could have ended up to maybe 100 years in prison. A whole lot longer than I was willing to pay. I wasn't willing to go. I would rather have been dead. But then God intervened, and I was uh, uh, alerted to the fact that there is a hell. There really is a hell, and I, I, I didn't want to go there, of course, because that's worse than anything anyone is experiencing here on the earth. And, and there is an epidemic of suicide today, but if people knew that when they kill themselves, they're going to hell, they wouldn't do it. You say, well, I've been born again. I believe in once saved, always saved. Well, you know what? I have a book on that. I just haven't put it into print yet. But I could give you over 50 scriptures, not just 50 verses, but 50 scriptures that say that uh, it, that is not true. Once saved, always saved is not true. And I'd love to debate you about it, talk to you about it and all that, but I don't have time right now. What I want you to know is 
You need to take time out of your life to find out if the Bible is really true or not. Did you know David Barton, he's a scholar, and, and, and he anyway, he's a great guy. A lot of people realize who he is, but he, he said uh, in November of 2017 that 72% of pastors in America say they don't believe the Bible. Do you know why they don't believe the Bible? I'm going to tell you why I believe that 72% of pastors in America in 2017 said they don't believe the Bible. It's because they don't read it. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a great Baptist preacher of yesteryear, and he said, for every 12 men that say they would die for the Bible, I find only one that will read it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans 10:17. No wonder they don't believe it. They don't read it. Preachers don't read it. Congregational, the people in the, in the, on the pew don't read it. Very few people truly read their Bible. I want to tell you, it'll change your life, and it'll put faith in you. I said one time to someone who said, oh, I wish that I could believe that God has a wonderful plan for my life and that he loves me and everything, but I just, I'm just not that gullible. And I said, do you really want to believe that? And they said, yes. And I said, well, let me tell you, all you got to do is read the Bible with an open heart. I'm not talking about being gullible. I just mean read the Bible. Now, there's an Old Testament and a New, and I suggest you start with the New. Just like we, we, we want to hear about Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and all the things of the past, but you need to know the speed limit, too. So start with the New. Anyway, as you read that word, I don't understand how it puts faith in your heart. But I don't understand how eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich puts teeth, hair, and eyeballs on your bones. But it does. So if you will read God's Word, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. That's what God says about it. If you will read that Word, it will put faith in your heart, and it will give you a backbone like a crowbar instead of a jellyfish. So spend time in the Word. Now, you know... People say, well, what's hell like? I, I think I'd rather be in hell than here, and I'm going to have fun with all my friends and all. That's foolishness. All that is foolishness. Hell is torment. Um, there are three words in the Greek language translated into the English as hell, H-E-L-L. And um, the, the New Testament was written in the Greek, and the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew. So in the Greek, there's Gehenna, there's Hades, and there's Tartarus. Gehenna is used 12 times in the New Testament. It, it, it is synonymous with the lake of fire. They're the same thing. But, but the word Gehenna is only used 12 times. Now, the lake of fire is used times, several times also. But Gehenna is used 12 times. Jesus spoke it 11 of the 12 times, and his brother James spoke it the 12th. That's the eternal abode of the wicked. You could, you could say it's similar to the federal penitentiary of eternity. But then there's the county jail. That's the word Hades, it's used 10 times in the New Testament, and it's a place to hold people, to, to, to restrain them so they can't um, do evil. Spirit doesn't die. I'd like to talk to you about that. The other one is Tartarus. It's the angels that left the first estate. It, it's, it's found in uh, uh, 2 Peter 2, 4. I'm, I'm looking at my notes to be sure I'm not getting that wrong. It's, uh, it's 2 Peter 2, 4, I believe. It could be 1 Peter 2, 24. But I think it's 2 Peter 2.24, and it's, it's uh, where the angels that left their first estate are held in chains of darkness. Um, 
until the judgment day. And so those three words uh, are translated as hell. Here is Hades. This is like the county jail. I'm reading now from Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, that's Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, and neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He said, and then, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. <clears throat> People say they would, but miracles don't give faith. Reading the word gives faith. I, I remember a story that Lester Sumrall told. He saw all the people going to hell. He saw it in a vision. He saw every person of every tribe, of, of every nationality, and they were going off a cliff into the flames of, of hell. And uh, God spoke to him and said, this is your fault. And he said, my fault? I don't even know these people. It's not my fault. And the Lord gave him um, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, Ezekiel 3, 18 and 33 all say very much the same thing. If you don't tell them, I'll require their blood on your hands. If you tell them, regardless of their decision, their, their blood's on their own hand. And so uh, he, he realized that we are responsible to tell people. And I'm here to tell you there really is a hell. There's a lot of scriptures that say that. And you need to find out if the Bible's true. Because if you find out that the Bible really is true, which it is, then you'll know that you don't want to go to hell and you cannot take your life or you'll go to hell. I can talk more about that. Okay, we're going to take a little break. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, and we'll be right back right after these words. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church. I feel such an excitement in my soul, and I know the time is short. This is Wayne Freed. I was talking to you a few minutes ago uh, before we took the break about Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall and Kenneth Hagin were two people who greatly influenced my life. And Lester Sumrall was a, um, uh, when he was a 17-year-old boy, he had tuberculosis. That was a great killer in those days. And the doctor came to his house and said, I'm just going to go ahead and sign the death certificate now because he won't live till morning. And then I won't have to come back out here in the morning and do it. And so he signed the death certificate, uh, and the 17-year-old boy uh, laying there in the bed, God gave him a vision, and he saw a Bible 
uh, and a coffin, and a full life-size coffin floating in the air on one side of the bed, and a Bible as big as a coffin floating on the other side of the bed, and God said, pick one. And he said, well, I, I, I believe I'll take the Bible. And so he knew exactly what that meant, and the next morning he got out of bed healed, and he went off to preach. And uh, one of the first places he preached was a little farm church. It, it was really just a, a little shack. And um, he was 17 years old, going to tell his life story. He laughed about that and said, 17-year-old telling his life story. Uh, what's he going to say, you know? And he had a white suit, and he was back then, you know, he was a sharp guy. He was going to... He was going to preach, and all these old farmers would come, and they're in their coveralls, and they would chew tobacco. He said, that wasn't a big deal, but they'd spit it on the wall, and it'd run down the wall. And he said, he'd never seen it on that order. And uh, they were mocking him somewhat, and he got a little angry about it. And so after he had spoken, he closed the service by saying, if you want to go to heaven, come down here and kneel at this altar. And if you want to go to hell, go out that way, out the back door. And he said, I don't care what you do. I don't care which way you go. So the choice is yours. Well, after the service, he got down at that old altar, down in the dirt, really, in his white suit, and he began to pray, and the Spirit of God got on him, and he went into intercession and travail. Now, just a few minutes before this, he told him, I don't care which way you go. You go to heaven, go to hell, I don't care. But now he's in travail, and the Spirit of God got on him. He woke up in the morning covered with mud. He had to throw the suit away. And <clears throat> he had uh, a vision from God and a change of heart. And that's when he saw all the world going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, they were, they were Japanese. There, there was Indians. There was uh, the blacks, the whites, the uh, on every nationality under the sun. And he said, I was nose to nose with them. I saw them right like they were standing right next to me. And they were just all almost out of trot. He said they weren't running, but they weren't walking. They were almost out of trot. And they were going off this cliff. And there were flames of fire coming up from the, from, from the, the bottom of the pit. And he said, when, once they saw the flames, they tried to stop. But the momentum of the crowd took them over. And that's when God spoke to him and said, it's your fault. And he said, Lord, it's not my fault. I don't even know these people. And the Lord said, uh, it's in the book. It's in the book. Folks, I want you to know God is smarter than you and me. He put it in a book. It makes good sense that God would put it in the book. And so he, uh, he took him to Ezekiel 3. And I think it starts with verse 18, where it says, if you tell them and, and they hear you, then you've delivered your soul and they, they, they won't be lost. But if you tell them and they reject what you say, <clears throat> he says, then their blood will be on their own hands and not on yours. And so God said, it's in the book. I want to tell you that Bible has changed my life. It, it's the greatest gift God ever gave to man. You say, I thought Jesus was. You see, that is it. That's exactly right. Jesus is the word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And verse 14 says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living Word, and the Bible is the written Word. And as we read that Word, the Holy Spirit begins to unfold it and reveal it to you, and, and it changes you from the inside out. Uh, there really is a hell God created man in his own image after his own likeness. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. He created man after his own image. In 
John chapter 4 and verse uh, 24, he's, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well of Samaria, and he said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he said, God is a spirit. Well, if we're created in the image of God and God's a spirit, then man is a spirit. Now, we live in a body. Our body is like the house that we live in. It's, it's, but our spirit, man, that's the real us. That's what needed to be born again. Ephesians 2, verse 2 and 3 says we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We had the nature of the devil in John eight forty. Jesus said to the most religious people of the day, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He's a liar and the father of it. Man is a spirit with the nature of the devil in it. And that's why John 3, 3 and John 3, 7, Jesus speaking said, you must be born again. Man is a spirit that lives in a body and possesses a soul. The body deals with the physical world, the spirit with the spiritual world, and the soul with the intellectual world, the mind, the will, and the emotions. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're told what to do with our body and what to do with our mind. We must renew our mind with the word. I know I'm moving fast, but listen to what I'm saying. We must renew our mind with the word. You don't renew your mind by reading the Bible. As good as that is, you don't renew your mind by memorizing the Bible. As good as that is, you don't re renew your mind by quoting the Bible. You renew your mind by practicing the Bible, by doing what it says. In in James one twenty two, he said, "Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self." If you don't practice what you know, if you don't walk in the light you have, if you don't do what you know is right and avoid what you know is wrong, you will have to give account of everything you've done and you can't even blame the devil because you've deceived yourself if i had one little phrase i could say if i had five or ten seconds to speak to the whole world you know what i'd say i wouldn't get on there and say read the bible i wouldn't get on there and say jesus is lord i wouldn't get on there and say any of these things that everybody thinks i would say you know what i'd say i'd say do what you know is right and avoid what you know is wrong and the reason I say that is because God calls that faith. If you walk in the light you've been given, he'll give you more light. And if you walk in that light, he'll give you more. And if you walk in that, he'll give you more. And he'll lead you right to the foot of the cross. But if you're not going to practice what you do know, then you've deceived your own self. And God can't even help you. I want to share something with you because I'm concerned about suicide. There's so many people killing themselves. Did you know that the um, CDC... It's, um, I don't even know what that is. Do you, Center for Disease Control. It, it's Center a, for Disease Control. Uh, Center? Center of Disease Control, okay? They kept records of it, all these things, all the people who died and everything uh, since its inception. But in, after 2020, they quit. They don't post that anymore. You know why? Suicide is so high. They don't want people to know how many people are killing themselves. And with COVID-19 and people being on lockdown and the kids, there was a rampant amount of kids killing themselves. Little kids, young teenagers, 12, 13, 14, you know, the little, the little people, they, 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 they couldn't stand it being locked away. And, and then the wearing of masks, they, they couldn't see people's mouth moving. I, boy, I could get on this. I'll tell you what, sometimes you just... I better watch myself here. Uh, it makes me angry because we were duped. Duped. I said it one time, a long time ago. See, Jesus delivered us from the power of darkness. 
in Colossians 1, 13, if we just believe his word. I want to share something about depression. My wife and I were depressed for a long time, didn't even know it. You see something on TV said, uh, if you have any of these um, symptoms, uh, you, 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 you may, may be depressed. And I'd have a dozen of them, and I think I got every one of them. And so we find out it was a demon. I heard Keith Moore say one time, if you're depressed and you live in America, it's the devil. Because there are people who live on a, like a dollar a week. And here we are so blessed. And if you're depressed, it's nothing but the devil. I want to read something real quick. i got less than two minutes. This is a statement from Keith Moore. He pastors a church in Branson, Missouri, and also in Sarasota, Florida. Um, I'm going to give you some of the, this I'm reading now. I'm going to give you some of the best advice you've ever gotten. If you'll do it, it'll spare you from untold agony and crying in the nighttime and all kinds of problems in every area of life. Listen to me carefully. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances with anybody in any situation. Never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? I'm still reading. There is never a justifiable reason. There is never a legitimate excuse to feel sorry for yourself. It's always doubt. It's always unbelief. It's always dishonoring to God. Always. Let me go over it real slowly. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, anywhere, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? If you don't, you'll stay in faith. It honors God when you look up through the blood, sweat, and tears and say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will stand and never quit. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. We'll be right back after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back. And we have my son, Jonathan, on the line from... Inglewood, he's down there with a crew. They've been down there almost all week working. Jonathan? Yeah, hey, Dad. Yep, I'm uh, standing in the middle of our uh, little station of operations here at West Coast Church on Pine Street in Inglewood. Um, We've been giving out uh, food supplies, cleaning supplies, bread, a variety of other things. Uh, all week long. So I think we've given out somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 pounds of goods and uh, another 60,000 pounds to go. But um, Well, now you're uh, at Dan and uh, Nancy Turpin's church, right? Dan and Nancy Turpin's Yeah, church, a lot of West people Coast in this church, area England. would know them. Well, that's true. That's true. They were from the Lakeland area for a long time and then the Mulberry area for a long time after that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I tell you, it's it's interesting to see the storm damage. You know, as opposed to to Lakeland, we were very blessed in Lakeland not to have been hit super hard. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's people who have some losses, but as you head farther down south, or even if you head into uh, Hardy County area, there's some tremendous loss. Um, but it is impressive. I, I was talking to a couple people early yesterday morning. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is uh, right across the street, pretty much right across the street from where we're stationed. And, and uh, we've teamed up with them and they've teamed up with us and swapping supplies and help and manpower. And uh, we were talking uh, uh, about the the guts, the, the, the nuts and bolts, if you will, the bones of America. And uh, when you see great tragedy hit, you see 
the core of, of America come together with, uh, with kindness and, and help and hope. And, and uh, so we were just talking about all that, and that's because of what we're made of. We're made of the God kind of stuff. This nation was founded on godly biblical principle, and it's still in our DNA. And um, it's at, so you, we see, just for me personally, there's a lot of disaster and destruction. But man, when I see people come together the way that they do, I, I just can't help but be uh, restored with some level of hope. For our for our nation, it's uh, it's just amazing to see. Yeah, I, I was watching Kanye West be interviewed by Tucker Carlson last night, and he talked about being a friend of Trump's, and boy, that opened up a can of worms and all. And um, he said, you know, the people of this country, they don't want all this vandalism and. Uh, turn the jails open and, and the drugs and, and the open border. They don't want all that. But, you know, if you weren't careful, I've been there. I've, I've been to where I thought, if this is what they want, let them have it. But, you know, there's a lot of people that want the old America back. There's a lot of us, a whole lot of us. Yeah, the good parts, especially of, of the old America. Um, you know, you see the, the, the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, and a lot of these places aren't quite the same as what they used to be. Um, but then again, they are still doing good for, for humanity. But you know what, I, what I've seen this time around? Um, it's a lot of the little people, if I can say it that way. For instance, our, our church, we're, we're just a, a local church in the Lakeland area, but we're making a, a big impact in this Inglewood area right now. And, and, of course, we have a few other people from the church in other places, um, Port Charlotte area and even a little farther south. But um, it's it's amazing that, you know, it seems like most of America knows that America is in trouble. And then we rallied together to say, hey, we got to pull out of this mess. And, and uh, you know, um, being being here, seeing and talking uh, with with people that have had their their homes destroyed. Um, some homes are still standing, but the water was three and four foot high. And and so everything is pretty much ruined. You know, you drive down the street and you see kitchen tables and refrigerators and sofas and and everything that would be inside of a house mattresses they're all thrown out at the street because they've all been ruined with water anyway i, I spoke with one lady today and and uh, she came very early this morning and uh, and she just began to cry as as we talked and she said uh, i i was uh, we were we were trapped in our in our house uh for for eight days we just got out yesterday and uh, we don't have anything you know what do you have can you know so anyway we just gave her as much as we could and or as much as she could carry, actually. But um, you, you see such major loss and, and, and devastation. Um, but when, when, when you share the love of Jesus with them, uh, when you give them hope that, that comes from Jesus, oh, they just break down with, with tears and they cry. But then within two or three minutes, they're smiling. It is amazing what the Spirit of God can do in a person's life in, in giving people hope. Um, I know today, uh, you know, you, you, you talked some about your, your testimony and suicide and the reality of hell. And, and so here talking with people, um, many of them just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And some of them at the edge, so almost nearly, you know, maybe have thoughts of suicide that just, that just seem hopeless. And then you share Jesus with them by, within just a few minutes. Uh, the Spirit of God just does an amazing work in their life. And they, they look at this thing and say, you know what? If God is on my side, I can make it through this thing. And um, so it, it's, just, it's just amazing to see what Jesus Christ can do in a person's life. 
uh, at, at every, every level. Well, John, we got about one minute. The music has started. I don't know if you can hear that or not. I cannot, so I'll let you take it. Well, uh, thank you for that information. I would like to mention that Kanye West is going to be interviewed again by uh, Tucker Carlson tonight. And it's just it's just really great to hear these people talk. I mean, they're, they're so powerful. There's some great people in our country, and nobody even knows them. Now they know Kanye West, but I'm just saying this is a good country because of God. Thank you, John. Bless you. Bless all the people down there that are sowing their blood, sweat, and tears. Folks, thank you for listening to Ask the Preacher. Have a great weekend.